0: While you sit down, all right? You might as well. You might as well. All right, good morning, everyone. My name is Nate. I am one of uh, the pastors here. Glad to be here this morning with you. If you are new, please fill out the Connect card on your seat. Or, you know, if you have commitment problems, today's today, okay? Overcome your fears. Fill that out. We'd love to connect with you. You can pass that off in the lobby. We'll exchange it for a gift uh, to help you in your spiritual journey wherever you may be. A couple of reminders, this Sunday, coming Sunday on the 18th, is our three-year anniversary, which is wild and crazy. It is going to be just an awesome service, all right? Every Sunday is an awesome service, but this Sunday, you're going to hear a lot from what God is doing, you get an opportunity to celebrate, hear stories, testimonies, baptisms, shoot confetti, you know, all the things, okay? So uh, come join us on Sunday. It's going to be an awesome time together just to celebrate the Lord and to recognize uh, we are here by His grace, His grace alone. Uh, the Lord is transforming lives, and we get to be a part of it. What a joy and a privilege and an honor. So we're going to celebrate that this three, uh, this Sunday. Uh, and there will be a party in the Graham Road Elementary parking lot. So plan to stay afterwards, okay? So even you come at the 9, you go to the parking lot. We're going to keep the party going, all right? So please please plan to stick around and do that. Uh, and then this Saturday, as we always do three times a year, like we talked about, we have Immerse, which is our 9 to 9 prayer and fasting uh, we pray and sing all the way till 6. We eat from 6 to 7, so come join us there, hang out, meet people, and then 7 to 9, we just go after the Lord with everything we got left from the day. Uh, and so join us, and to, to build into that, uh, this week, as we did last time before Immerse, we'll have prayer sets at night every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if you've ever been to a Restore, it's a Restore every night, okay? So at 6.30 to 7.30, come join us. Uh, a lot of the Lighthouses are going to be doing that together uh, make it a part of your schedule. Uh, it's really going to be an awesome time together. But as we've been talking about, I want to remind you uh, prayer is work. Prayer requires scheduling. Prayer requires sacrifice. Prayer requires giving time and energy. So I want to ask you not only to, to make it a priority, but to encourage you to say, let this Jesus not get in the way. Let's put the work in. Let's pray. Okay? So you don't have to come every night. If you want to, praise the Lord. But try to join us at some point uh, as you can to come pray. Uh, to come seek the Lord, and we will continue to commit to the fact that we believe prayer is the work. So we're going to schedule it into our life as a church. Uh, So join us in any way you can, 6.30, 7.30, Monday through Thursday. Then Saturday, all day, we're going to pray, and the Lord's going to continue to work. And then Sunday, after all the hard work of prayer, we're going to throw a party, all right? So it's going to be great. Uh, You don't want to miss any of that this week. Um, And so as we continue to emphasize these couple weeks uh, the importance of prayer, we've been looking at the life of Hezekiah. Last week we looked at his first prayer in 2 Kings 19. Today we're going to look at his second prayer. Remember what we see from Hezekiah about prayer is that uh, both prayer for the public, prayer for a group of people, prayer for what God wants to do in the world, and then you also see a personal prayer for what God wants to do in my life, which pretty much covers all the things we would want to pray about in two prayers from Hezekiah. So this is very helpful to us. Uh, We want to believe, and we ought to believe, as the scripture teaches, that prayer changes things in the world around me and in my life. This is a foundational belief. We must hold and believe with all our hearts for our prayer lives to be effective. Prayer changes things in the world, and prayer changes things in my life. And to those of you who are here just seeking out Christianity, you're unsure about it, you know, a friend brought you or something. I'm so glad that you're here. We're going to be talking about prayer. And as we discussed a little bit last week, if you were here, uh, we really want you to understand that God wants a relationship with you. This is why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to take care of your debt, to be raised from the dead so that you could have new life by putting your trust in him and access to a relationship with God. Prayer is ultimately about the fact that God is now our father And we have a relationship with him as daddy. And we can commune with him and ask him for things he cares and wants to help us. And I want you to know, uh, out of all the crazy things you might see about Christianity on the news and all the things people say and all the things, okay, at the end of the day, the essence of it is that God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. And he died for your sins. And I hope that your heart is open to the good news of the gospel and that your interest is perked by the fact that you can have a relationship with God. And so as we talk about prayer, I want that to be your perspective, that God wants a relationship with you. Uh, and so as we've been talking about, we must believe the cause and effect nature of prayer. So last week the example was uh, a kid who learns you know, how to press the button, and they do that over and over again. This week, I want to give you another example. Uh, Think about it like the gas pedal, okay? Prayer is the gas pedal of the Christian life. If I hit the gas pedal, I move forward. It's plain and simple. And some of us are stuck in our Christianity or in our spiritual development because we do everything else except pray. You know what I'm saying? We go to church, we do all the things, but we don't really pray. Or we, we say we just pray all the time. Okay, yeah, right. No, you don't. Nobody tell me that, okay? I so say I just pray all the time. No, you don't. Okay, okay. I, I get what you mean, but this is not what we're talking about, all right? Uh, we're saying a, a deep, devoted, which includes, you know, random shots up to the Lord. Yeah, you want to pray all the time. That's good. Pray without ceasing. Uh, but we also want to cultivate a real, sincere, developed prayer life that takes time, effort, and work. Uh, and for those of you who might feel stuck, um, prayer is the gas pedal of the Christian life. And if you want your Christian life to move forward, the cause will be that you started to pray. And the effect will be that you started to move forward. It really is. I promise you that simple. It really is. Okay? Prayer is the, it's the currency of heaven. It's, it's the thing that moves the Father. It's the thing that you can do the most to help you and to help those around you. Uh, and this is hard to believe sometimes for us because we have such fleshly perspective. We can't see things. We can't know everything that's happening, so we got to get God's perspective on how prayer works. Remember, prayer is not about whether I can point from A to B and see, well, that prayer worked. Prayer is about faith and trusting the sovereignty of God to do what's best, that I trust his love and I trust his work and oftentimes I do get to see A equals B, but I don't get to see that all the time. So I can't base the foundation of my prayer life on the fact that this always works, okay? That's going to make you discouraged as opposed to what you can see. So we need eyes of faith. So that's what we're after this morning, eyes of faith to help us understand the effectiveness of prayer via the Bible upon which we build our life, okay? So if the Bible's teaching us about prayer in a certain way, we're going to take that as the Word of God We're going to apply it into our lives, even if we don't always understand or see it come to pass the same way, uh, in the exact same form. We're going to live by faith. So 2 Kings 20, go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Kings 20. All right, we're going to hear from the Lord this morning, verses 1 through 6. This is the second part of Hezekiah's prayer. The first one was 2 Kings 19. He prayed for a whole group, and now he's praying for himself. It says this, in those days, Hezekiah became sick, and he was at the point of death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him, said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. So that was a fun, fun day for him. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly, and before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, The word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So we'll stop there. There's much more continuing in the story. I encourage you to read it. Uh, But we're going to stop there for now. I I want you, first of all, to always remember Hezekiah, okay? I just want you to remember the name. I want you to remember the story. We're teaching through this for a couple weeks so you can remember what's happening in the scriptures. uh, To remember that prayer really does make a difference. When you doubt the effectiveness of your prayers... Go read 2 Kings 19, go read 2 Kings 20, and remember that Hezekiah's prayers changed the outcome of an entire nation, and it changed the outcome of his own life. And take it as the word of God as it is, and live accordingly. Okay? I want you to remember Hezekiah. That's part of the reason for these two series. They're two weeks. Just so you remember Hezekiah. You might forget everything I ever said, and you probably will, but you're going to remember Hezekiah. And you're going to be sitting there like, I don't don't feel like praying. This doesn't seem to work. Why is God not? I'm going to remember Hezekiah. And I'm going to live by faith, not by my feelings. And I'm going to see and remember what God did for Hezekiah. I'm going to remember that God loves me just the same. He died for me. And therefore, I'm going to pray with faith. So remember Hezekiah. That's the first thing I want you to do. Two very obvious, plain and simple examples. Hezekiah prayed. God does something different than what he originally was about to do. Hezekiah prayed, and God delivers the people. Okay, this is very, very important. So uh, as we saw last week, I want to reference that one more time, is that Hezekiah's prayer shifted the outcome of, of, of nations. It shifted the outcome of thousands and hundreds and thousands of people. Remember, King Sennacherib was coming up against him. He threatened his life. Uh, and although the enemy had the first word, what we learned was that God has the last word. And this is an encouragement to all of us is that prayer is the middle of those two things, right? The enemy may have the first word. The person in your life may have the first word. uh, The doctor may have the first word. The thing, the situation, the problem may have the first word. But I pray, and then God gets the last word. And when I pray, I access the last word power of God. God has final say. God has final authority. Nobody can tell God, you know, that he can't do this or that. And so I pray. And so in your life, remember that the enemy, the problem, the situation may have the first word, but God has the last word. Therefore, I pray, because the only thing that's final are the decisions of God. The only thing that's final is what God says. The only thing that's final is what God does. So no matter how dire a situation may be, no matter how awful things may be, no matter what they said, no matter what, the only person that has final say is God. The enemy has the first word, but God has the last word. And so pray. Now uh, now Hezekiah switches from this, this whole history of people of Israel, people of Judah, to his own personal situation. And this is very helpful to us uh, because he gets into his own personal desires and wants. So he's praying for the whole nation, and now he's praying for himself. So God comes to Hezekiah through Isaiah, and he says, you're sick. He already knows that, and you're going to die from this sickness. He says, get your house in order, all right? You're going to die, all right? So, and it says, thus says the Lord which is a pretty firm way to say something, all right? Throughout the entire Old Testament, if somebody shows up and says, thus says the Lord, boom, you can take it to the bank. It is done. It is done. So this is pretty serious. But Hezekiah receives what God says, and like any normal person, he says, well, I don't want to die. They think he's about 40 at this time. So not even that old yet. Lots of life left to live. And he doesn't, he's just not, he's not ready. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't think it is his time And so he asks God for mercy. God says, you're going to die. Hezekiah says, I don't want to die. And that's the interaction that they have together. What's interesting about this, which I think will help many of you this morning, is that Hezekiah approaches God with a broken body and a broken heart. His body is breaking. It's falling apart. He's sick. Many commentaries think that he has boils and this kind of sickness that bothers a lot of your internal and external body that it's this not not enjoyable experience and so now he's very sick his body is broken now he's told that he's going to die and his heart is broken and he comes to God with a broken heart and a broken body and God in his sympathy mercy and love towards him says this I love this I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears And what an encouragement this morning to those of you especially who are approaching God with a broken body and a broken heart, to know by faith that God says, I hear your prayers and I see your tears, and he's moved with sympathy and mercy towards you. And although the outcome may not always be the thing that you wish, the character in the heart of God is love, mercy, and sympathy towards you. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your pain, God is sympathetic and kind towards you. But it can be very discouraging, especially when our prayer doesn't seem to be changing the outcome of our situation. This is why Hezekiah, once again, is light for us. When it doesn't seem to be changing the outcome of our situation, when it doesn't seem like God cares, when it doesn't seem like God loves, I do not live by my feelings or even what my eyes can see But with the eyes of faith, I go to the scriptures and I get an example of a man with a broken body and a broken heart and the sympathetic love and mercy of God. And I say, that's the God that I know is responding to me now. I know he is dealing with me like that in my prayers. So I'm going to continue to go to him. This is who God is, okay? And eyes of faith will allow us to see this. So I want you to see three different aspects of Hezekiah's prayer life here. What, what are three things? We learned three things last week about praying you know, for the world. And now we're learning three things about what does a personal prayer life look like in many ways. And so to encourage you in your prayers, here are three aspects. The first is this, is that past answers provide hope for present prayers. Past answers provide hope for present prayers. Surely we cannot overlook the fact that Hezekiah just prayed for an entire uh, nation and for the outcome of a war And the Lord responded to his prayer. And so now he goes back to him. was like, oh, if that prayer worked, let me give you this one, you know. You heard my request for mercy upon the people. Now will you hear my request for mercy upon me? And Hezekiah is given great boldness to challenge nicely, not debatingly, a thus says the Lord proclamation of God. I mean, you have to understand the level of boldness required. For someone to come and say, thus says the Lord, and for you to say, oh, hold up, wait a second, wait a second. And I think what we cannot miss is that Hezekiah is full of faith and full of uh, uh, gratitude and confidence because God just recently answered a prayer that Hezekiah prayed. God just recently worked on Hezekiah's behalf. And so now, in light of God's past answer, Hezekiah has hope for his present prayers. He prays with faith because he remembers what God has done. Psalm 116, 1-2 one says this, I love the Lord because he has, heard my pleas and, uh, he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. So because God has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he has inclined his ear for me, you know, it's like when my kids are like whispering and they want, and they say, let me tell you something, and I get real close, and they can speak right in my ear, and then they go, you know, and they blow in my ear, and they think it's funny, Uh, but I'm inclining my ear. My natural inclination towards my children is to get close so they can speak to me, even if they have something mean to do to me. I'm inclining my ear to them, and this is the picture we get from God, is God's not like up in heaven, like you're trying to throw your prayer up to him as high as you get. God is near, and he's in Inclining his ear to you, he's leaning in, he's ready for what you have to say. He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice, he has heard my pleas for mercy. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. So what is the therefore? Therefore is the connection between the first thing and the second thing, right? So because God has heard me before, and because he's answered me before, I'm gonna keep calling upon him. Even when it doesn't seem to be working, even when I don't understand it, because God has proven faithful and because he has proven reliable before, I'm going to use that as my point of reference for my confidence in my prayers now. Not the outcome, not my feelings, not my earnestness. The foundation of my prayer life to God is his faithfulness to me. It's the foundation. God has been faithful to me. And every person in here who knows the Lord can say yes and amen. You know? You say, God, if I just took a minute, I could remember with such thanksgiving how faithful God has been to me. How merciful and kind God has been to me. Every single one of you who have been walking with God has those times where God has shown up. And he has been so reliable and so faithful. And so encouraging. And he's heard your cries for mercy and he's granted your requests. If you've been walking with the Lord sincerely, we all have those experiences with God throughout our time with him because he is so faithful. Therefore, now we remember what God has done and we pray with confidence and hope in the present because of what God has done in the past. Now, this is why practically we practice entering into his presence with thanksgiving. Here's how this works. Thanksgiving is the fuel for faith. Okay, so we enter into his presence with thanksgiving. As we practice thanksgiving and praise, we remember who God is and what God has done. As we practice thanksgiving, we remember what God has done in the past. We remember God's faithfulness to us in many ways, and then we become confident and filled with hope in the present because of God's faithfulness to us in the past. Therefore you must practice thanksgiving before asking. Okay, here's a practical thing for brother. Practice thanksgiving before asking. Fuel your faith and then fight with your prayers. Okay? Practice thanksgiving before asking. This is what you need to do in your prayer life because you need to fuel your faith. God has been so good to me. And now I pray for my situation. As opposed to coming in so broken and so disheartened And not being filled with faith that God can do anything and God has proven merciful and kind to you. Practice thanksgiving before asking. Fuel your faith and then fight with your prayers. But some of us have no fight in our prayers because we have no fuel in our faith. Because we come in without perspective. We come in without remembering. And this isn't a slap on the wrist. This is the way forward. God is saying, remember how good I have been to you and then pray with confidence. God wants your prayer life to be filled with faith. So practice Thanksgiving before asking. Are you, praying without Thanksgiving is like trying to use a fire without starting it. You know? It's like trying to stoke a fire and you're just whoa, 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 as hard as you can, but you never started the fire. There's nothing to stoke. All right? That's what our prayer lives are like when we're trying to do this without thanksgiving. We must enter in. I mean, the Bible doesn't say things without purpose. You enter in. It doesn't say anything else. It says, enter in with thanksgiving. So we start, and the spark gets going, and then I start praying, and the fire is going. But some of us try to pray without thanksgiving, and that's like trying to use a fire without starting it. And that's why your prayer life can be so difficult and hard sometimes. This is just practically why you get so bored, because you have a list of requests you're trying to hit, You got five minutes and you're trying to do that, and no energy, no momentum, nothing gets flowing, no faith gets going, no emotions are connected. Why? Because you hit God with your list without enjoying who God is. God wants your list, God cares about your things. He's going to respond to them, He's very much involved in that. But your prayer life needs momentum, it needs faith, and faith arises from thanksgiving. So we have to remember who God is. Uh, Stop trying to use a fire prayer without starting it with thanksgiving. So past answers provide hope for present prayers. Now some of you may say, well, my life has been really hard, and I'm not even sure what to be thankful for. And the thing I would say simply to that is just go straight to the cross and start there. Okay? I'm sure some of you, your life has been awfully hard in every level, and I recognize that. And it might even be hard for you to come up with things to be thankful for. And I'm sure there are many once you begin to think. But my encouragement to all of us is you're struggling with that, just go straight to the cross start there. Jesus loves me. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. At the cross, I received my salvation. He forgave my sins. and gave me heaven. Because of his sacrifice for me, I now live. I start there. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and then I roll from there, all right? So past answers provide hope for present prayers. The second thing is this. Prayer is more powerful than any of your problems. Prayer is more powerful than any of your problems. So, This is where uh, you really get, where the rubber hits the road here in terms of what Hezekiah is doing. So Hezekiah receives a word from God, a thus says the Lord, which as I said is a pretty sure thing throughout the Old Testament. When a real prophet speaks like this, it is done. Now, he doesn't argue against God. He doesn't like fight it. He's not begrudging. He's not angry. None of those attitudes would be acceptable, I think, in this moment because he said thus says the Lord. But he comes before him and he doesn't accept it as it is. Because here's what, here's what Hezekiah thinks, bottom line. No matter what has been said and no matter what has been done, I can still pray. That's his go-to. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter what the outcome has been predicted. I can still pray. Until I am dead, I can still pray. And so Hezekiah, filled with faith, believes that prayer can reverse the irreversible And prayer can change the unchangeable because he knows that the power of prayer is more powerful than any of his problems. And we have to believe this at the bottom level, which I think we struggle to so often to believe that prayer is more powerful than any of my problems. Any of the greatest problems I have, problems with my body, problems with my mind, problems with anything, problems with my family. That at the end of the day, prayer is more powerful. And no matter what has been said, no matter what has been done, I can still pray. When someone says the outcome is sure, well, I can still pray. When there's a situation that seems unchangeable, I can still pray. And at the bottom level, we must believe prayer can reverse the irreversible. Prayer can change the unchangeable. And this text will feed our faith to say this prayer changed the outcome of Hezekiah's life. James tells us something similar, uh, James chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you have not because you ask not. What a simple and wonderful truth to live by. I have not because we ask not. Now, God's answer here is immediate. Isaiah doesn't even leave the temple yet. He doesn't even leave this area. He doesn't leave, and he turns back around. So Hezekiah's prayer gets answered right away, and we all think, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Before I left this church building this morning, the Lord had answered my prayer. Wouldn't that be nice? Must be, must be easy to be filled with faith when God answers your prayers right away. Yeah, that is, it's very nice. I, I, I wish that happened to us all the time. This is a good example that God can and does do that. And you balance it out with other scriptures like Luke 18, where there's a widow who's going after a judge over and over and over and over and over again. The judge relents. And then God's example is, because of her persistency, her, re- her request was granted. And then he turns it into an example for prayer. And he tells us we must be persistent like this widow in prayer. So now we have two examples. Sometimes God answers it right away in miraculous ways. He can do that, and you better believe for it. Don't pray doubting that can happen. At the same time, prayers must be persistent. Sometimes you have to pray for 20 years to get the thing you've been asking for. So you have to do both things. Pray with faith. God can literally change it right now. I never enter into a Sunday without believing that God can wreck house at every level every moment of the day where lives can be changed in this instant, not a starting point for change, a complete reversal of life right here in this moment. We have to believe that. We have to believe that as we pray, God can do that. But at the same time, a mature Christian also prays persistently when the outcome doesn't happen right away, they don't give up. Here's something for you to write down and consider in your life. Just because it is delayed doesn't mean it won't be done. This is the teaching of the scriptures as the maturity arises. Just because it is delayed doesn't mean it won't be done. Pray and leave it to the Lord. Never stop praying. His ways are higher. He will do what is best. But there's no point in leaving anything on the table. You might as well pray. Prayer is more powerful than any of our problems. When I was thinking about this, I saw this commercial the other day about Verizon. And it was really funny because it had a map. But the subtitle of the map said, map does not indicate coverage. I thought, what's the point of the map then, you know? You just lied to me, and then you tried to subtitle your way out of that. Like, It, like, shows coverage. The point of the map is coverage. And then the subtitle is, map does not indicate coverage, you know? And I'm like, what in the world? Are you allowed to do that? You paid a million dollars to lie to me? You think I'm stupid, you know? Like, you're like, most people don't read the subtitles. Sure, okay. Well, this is what we do in our minds, though, is we have a mental map for what God is covering and doing. And I just want you to know that your map does not indicate coverage. All right, The math that you have in your mind about what God is doing, answering, working does not indicate what God is actually doing, answering, and working. This is very important, a silly thought and illustration, but a very important point. That what you think God is doing is often not what God is doing. And what you think God has answered or not answered is often not what God has answered or not What you think God is covering and helping in your life and not covering and helping is often the very thing that God is actually working in. You don't know. Your mental map of what God is doing does not indicate the coverage of what God is doing. So you pray because you don't know. But you do know that God is faithful. But because in your mind, your mental map has said, well, God hasn't covered this one. I've been praying for 10 years. Then you give up. I want you to know that your map, your mental makeup, the way you think about things does not indicate what God is actually doing. What he is actually covering. Remember, as we said last week, the amount of times God said no, and we're so happy looking back. God is working, he's covering, he's, 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 he's covering your life, okay? By faith, you realize that my prayers work with God to cover my life. And he does exactly what is supposed to be done in the moment it is supposed to be done. So prayer is more powerful than any of your problems. You have to believe, you know, this is, the prayer is the essence of what actually works. All right, the final one is this. People of integrity pray with authority. This one's probably the most important. And I might step on a few of your toes at this point, all right? So forgive me later, but it's here. All right. Pray, people of integrity, pray with authority. What is Hezekiah's defense? What does Hezekiah say back to God? God says, you're going to die. And Hezekiah doesn't even first say, well, I don't want to die. that? Obviously, that's within the, the, the purpose. So that's obviously what he's getting at. But he says, okay, God, well, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart. And I have done what is good in your sight. Hezekiah's defense is that he has lived a life faithful to God. And now his integrity gives him authority and boldness. James 5.16 follows this up in the New Testament. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of someone with integrity works really good would be the summary of that. Listen, how you live matters to how you pray. And here's what I just knew the Lord wanted me to say, is that maybe some of you pray with little confidence because you live with little holiness. Maybe you pray with little confidence because you live with a little holiness. It's a person of integrity that prays with authority. It's a person with a clear conscience that can have the comfort to boldly approach the throne of God. When your conscience condemns you, you don't have clarity to pray. When you're walking in hypocrisy, you don't have confidence the Lord will listen to your request. You must practice a life of faithfulness and holiness so that you can have a prayer life of boldness. Listen, boldness is the outcome of intimacy with God and integrity lived for God. So boldness, confident prayer life, is the outcome of intimacy and integrity. If I cultivate intimacy with God and treat him like my father, right? My kids, if they were in this room, would run up to me right now. They would have no problem that we're in a service. They wouldn't worry what you thought. They would have complete and utter boldness to approach me, and they would have no concern whatsoever for what was happening in the moment. And you guys have probably seen that happen. They just run, they have no, and that's exactly what kids are supposed to do. It's because they have intimacy with me. Now, so it is with the Father. The boldness that we approach him with comes from a place of intimacy with him. And if I haven't haven't cultivated intimacy with God, I will not have boldness to God. I will be concerned about my approach. I will be concerned about the other things going on in my life. I will be concerned even as I pray in public about how other people view me in my prayers and therefore I will not pray with confidence and boldness. Some people think I'm might too zealous. Some people might think I'm a little crazy. Some people might look at me because I'm on my knees. And those thoughts come into your head because you're not cultivating intimacy with God. Intimacy is what creates boldness. And then integrity. Intimacy and integrity. Integrity, a life lived for God, a life consistently lived in faithfulness to God, a life that puts in the effort to know and love God, to serve others. Obviously, no one is ever going to be perfect except for Jesus. But the way you live your life matters to the spiritual effectiveness of your prayers. You cannot separate these two. Well, God's grace is sufficient. He forgives me for all that I do. Well, of course he does. But Romans 6, what does it say? Shall I sin all the more so that grace can abound? Of course not. That way of thinking doesn't work. God has told us that our our lives matter for the sake of our prayers, and some of us pray with little confidence because we live with little holiness. And some of us have no boldness because we don't have intimacy with God. And this is what he wants to cultivate in your life so that you can pray with confidence. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about trying to train my kids to play sports, you know, and uh, some of them are in a variety of different things. And the one thing about playing sports, or really music or anything, is that the more you practice it the right way, the more confidence you have in the moment. Confidence comes from practice. So teams play quicker when they have practice so that their instincts are more right in the moment. Uh, The second baseman knows what to do when the ball goes to the shortstop because their instincts are right. They have been trained. They have confidence. They don't have to think. They just act. This is what good musicians do. They come up there and they just play. They have confidence to play because they have practice. They know what the song is supposed to sound like. And so now this is true in our own life. You know this is true in every area of your life, that a consistent practice doing the right things gives confidence in the moment that it is needed. And so it is true with you in your spiritual life that consistent practice doing the right things over and over and over again to love God, to love others, to pursue a life of integrity, to run away from sin, to repent. Doing these things over and over again will make you a person of confidence In the moment that you approach God, it will make you a person of confidence in the moment that spiritual life and integrity is needed. It'll make you a person of confidence in the moment that you need a right word for the right person at the right time. It's the spiritual practice of doing the right things over and over again that makes you a person of confidence in the moment that you need it. This is what it looks like for us to pray with authority. People of integrity pray with authority. Now, ultimately, We do not rely at the end of the day on the righteousness that you and I can muster up on how well we can live our lives, although it certainly matters. But at the end of the day, we rely ultimately on the righteousness and the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And our boldness to approach the throne of God comes through trusting in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And for those of you who are here today and haven't quite done that yet, I am putting that offer on the table from the Lord himself to put your trust in Jesus and to have access to God. And for those of you who are trusting in your earnestness or even how well you're living your life to go back, yeah, I didn't spend much time with the Lord, so I'm not gonna do that. This way I feel like I pray. Well, trust in Jesus as the access point for your prayers and then cultivate a life that honors Him, that's a life of integrity to do what He said. All right? So these three things to help us be a people who pray. Past answers provide hope for present prayers. Prayer is more powerful than any of your problems. And most importantly, I think here, people of integrity pray with authority. And may City Light and the people here be a people who do effective work in the community and in our lives because we're a people who can pray with authority. May that be true of us. And I think it is, praise the Lord. So let's continue to grow. Let's pray. Uh, Let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We pray now uh, that you would make us more like Jesus. We thank you that you do forgive our sins, past, present, and future, that the gospel is sufficient to save, and that we do not rely on ourselves, Lord. We thank you. We also, Lord, pray that you would put within us a great desire for holiness, a great desire to pursue you, to walk away from sin. Make this church continually a place of prayer. You said yourself, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And so, Lord, we simply want to do what you said. And so teach us, Lord, to pray. Help us to grow as we pray. And help us to enjoy a real, alive, vibrant relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.